0: especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now here's your host,
1: Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. Today, we have a longtime friend of mine and co-conspirator and a few different things, which we can talk about in general when it comes to business. Um, and we're going to hear all from her. Her name is Kelly Collar, and she's currently the CMO of House Labs by Lady Gaga. Hi, Kelly.
0: Hi, JJ. I am more than thrilled to be here with you today, especially and very purposefully on International Women's Day. Oh, I-
1: yes, we are. So excited. Uh, well, I love celebrating women. I I still have this thing with it. I'm like, because I was like, trying to explain to my kids why women get a month, and they're like, "Well, what do men get?" And they're like, "Everything," you know. And my son is kind of like, "What?" I mean, although he, you know, he's heard a lot from me, but you know, um, look, it's it's like it's great to be able to celebrate everyone. I'm super happy that you're here today, since you and I have known each other for a long time, and unfortunately, we're not sitting in the same room and um, having some wine together, but here we are. So I want to start by telling everyone who you are like, you know, give us a synopsis of your career and what led you in up to House Labs and we'll get more into what House Labs is, etc. But you have a very interesting kind of career. So just kind of sum it up and just, as much as you can, since it's very yeah. long and amazing. I will do that. And actually, I'll kick it off. Uh, you asked a great question,
0: Jennifer, which is what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? And then I'll pivot into what my career has been because yeah. it's the opposite of that. So the worst piece of advice I've ever been given really is that you can't change industries and can't change careers, but especially that you can't change industries. I've actually done it four times quite <laughs> successfully. Uh, not easy, but uh, I'm glad to do that. So you know very high level i started out my career in fundraising for the arts which really set me up very well really understanding you know how to market and celebrate art and artists and because i've almost exclusively worked on founder brands um big global founder brands my whole life and kind of built them i feel like some of those early you know thoughts really were helpful not to mention when you work for a nonprofit in the very beginning you learn how to be very scrappy, very clear in your messaging and how to really leverage, you know, other people and ideas to make something much bigger because you have a small budget. Yeah. So really that set me up for working with startups. You know, I didn't know it at the time, but like those kind of two things set me up. And then after fundraising for the arts, I left uh, to go career pursue a career in design and branding. And I loved doing that. And I'd gotten so, you know, into talking about business strategy and how, you know, graphic design and branding campaigns would change the course of a business that I went to go to a, again, a, a global design agency. And it was kind of really a thrill to be able to say, you know, this is my background in the arts. Have I worked for another design firm, you know, heading up branding and business development? No, but here's what I can bring you. And so, again, that was, that piece of advice proven wrong again. Right. and then after <laughs> and after working for global design agencies again whether it was MBBj or Ziba or a company called 24/7 where we built you know incredible brands, identities, programs for all kinds of brands like Apple and Nike and Starbucks and the Four Seasons, I left to go work for Sephora corporate. They had this job that had been open for allegedly what I heard was about a year and a half. And they said they were starting a brand new startup division inside Sephora called Sephora Originals. And at that time, which was 2010, you know, you've got to remember that, you know, Sephora had been around really since 1998 and that there were wonderful brands like Stila and Urban who had grown up with Sephora. And so Sephora at that time was really looking to have some other bigger points of differentiations. And Macy's was a big, you know, deal at that time as well. And so they had this great idea. Um, I believe it was from Margarita Arigata, which is another shout out. She's the really the the fairy godmother of all beauty brands. She was at Sephora as a chief merchant. They had this great idea to introduce Net new brands and bring them under the Sephora fold, not in terms of a licensing deal necessarily, but really their own unique brands. And so they loved that I had an agency background because I was able to really think about identify. And operate on five different brands at the same time, really that had nothing to do with each other other than that they were in beauty. So I came in in those very, very early stages with, again, other great women like Sharon Rothstein, who was the global CMO of North America at that time, and then eventually left to become the CMO of Starbucks. So really learned from incredible, amazing women, you know, how to, again, build brands in the beauty space, how to completely disrupt the market, not just with what the brand is, but with marketing and activations and really unique points of differentiation. Um, and then from there, I went to uh, L'Oreal and then I went to uh, Kendo, and Kendo actually started out as the four originals way back in the day. And so the short version is right before I came to House Thousands by Lady Gaga, I had been the head of marketing for Marc Jacobs Beauty, Hello Kitty Beauty, you know, Formula X Nail that we had worked on, Elizabeth and James fragrance, uh, KVD Beauty for almost 10 years. And I'd grown KVD Beauty from, you know, a small, essentially a small brand in the US to a a massive global brand in 36 countries around the world. And I was essentially hired at at House Labs to uh, unleash and create another global
1: rocket ship. And that's what I'm here to do amazing. Right. So look, I usually ask this um, question at the end and I'm glad you did it that way because it's so often that you get out of college or you get out of high school or whatever you are that you're doing and you're going, you know, whatever my first job is so important or whatever my major is is so important because I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. And other than basically medicine and some science, you know, science-based things, it's like, even that even if you went to med school does not mean that you have to be a doctor but right. like it does it's it's not like a a marriage that you want to to last the rest of your life like you can use things that you have learned and uh pivot them into other areas you know and find what you're you're great at because how are you supposed to know that when you're 22 years old it's very difficult and to you know to know that you can try out some things is amazing so I love hearing about your whole pivot and your whole um you know kind of taking one and and skill and 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 building it on another um uh, but let's let's start with your like uh your in beauty like the, you know with Sephora to Kendo you know how did you you know know what was how did you know how to build the brand in those particular areas you know
0: Well, two things. That's a great question. So when I started at Sephora, which again was 2010 for the Sephora Originals concept, um, like I said, I was leveraging my design firm branding agency background where you're working on multiple different brands that have completely different unique brand DNA. So we essentially on the marketing side were given a little bit of the brand DNA. And then my job at that time was to really bring them to life uh, with Sephora. So I did two things. So one is, I borrowed from, you know, inspiration and ideation from other industries, not just beauty. And I think that's in part what made me successful too, because I didn't come from beauty. There are other ideas that I had that the beauty industry had not done before. So when I was told, you know, no, that can't be done. It, I sort of dug my heels and to find a way to, to do it. Um, And that again, created some game changing ideas. And I think the third piece is I had some really great mentors you know, inside of Sephora at that time to help me understand sort of the, the nomenclature uh, of beauty. But at the end of the day, if what you're marketing is an authentic story to a specific audience, and if you are, you know, relevant and you have innovation and you have operational excellence, if you have those three things on any, you know, on a, and they're all operating together, you're going to be a success.
1: Well, that actually, and you saying that totally reminds me how we met because I was at Rock Nation. I was the EVP doing all strategic partnerships and business development. And you were at Sephora slash Kendo, right? Correct. And we were trying to find partnerships for all of our different artists. And we're trying to find them not necessarily for money, but for visibility and to get their music out there in unique ways. And so we had reached out to people in Sephora and New York. And we're just completely just like pushed to the side. And I happened to be doing uh, a trip to San Francisco and somehow we got through to you. And then you and I met and you were like, what do you mean somebody didn't take this seriously? You know, we partner with like artists like Santi Gold and Haim. They were just, they were very young at the time. They were very, you know, and Melanie Fiona and all these like artists that, You know, and you and I came up with this whole program um, through, you know, what was the name of the nail brand again? It was Formula X. It was such a good brand. Yeah, it was hot. it It was when nails were really, really
0: wildly hot and influencers were kind of just starting. And so, yeah, exactly. So I think a couple of things about that. I think one is, and I remember that very vividly. It actually was a message from your EA through LinkedIn, Yeah, that's actually what it was. Mm -hmm. And then we talked a little bit and I'm like, look, I'm always curious. And that's something that, you know, I think a lot of women who have done, you know, very well for themselves or done amazing things, you know, always stay curious and be a yes person at the end of the day. I'm not saying always, but I'm saying if you've got a new, interesting business inquiry, you know, take the call. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. So, you know, I took the call. I was like, why would I turn down? an inquiry for mock nation. Why would I do that? So I'm like, I'm going to take the call. Yeah, you know, We met and the timing was perfect. And so we talked about, you know, again, you've got artists that are looking to do something interesting and you want to help get their name out. We've got this really interesting nail polish line. So can we do something interesting together where we get these two together in a way for, you know, yeah. artists and nails that makes sense for everybody that celebrates color and celebrates artistry. Um, and kickstarts and helps bring awareness to both brands. So
1: win-win. Yeah, win-win. We even even brought up the idea of Rihanna coming over there before that happened. (laughs) That is (laughs) true. And we were both gone and they were like, hey, and it was like, wait, we brought this up to you all.
0: (laughs) Those are early conversations of Jennifer and Kelly. Absolutely.
1: Oh, God, we're geniuses and got no credit for it. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so then... That brings you, and then so you spent a long time at Kendo for ten years, and then so how? Tell us about your transition to House Lab, and all about that. Yeah, I think for two things.
0: So Sephora was interesting because the technically it was Sephora originals. Before Kendo was even started, Kendo was a small department within Sephora, and then uh, they broke up to become sort of Kendo officially in about 2015. And at that time, I was recruited by L'Oreal to be their new global VP of retail marketing for a little brand that they had just acquired called Nyx Cosmetics. So I helped really work on that positioning. I had again another you know very interesting, incredible you know leader and group of women who were on the mass side of beauty. So prior to that job, I had not had experience on the mass side of beauty. So again, that was another, you know, I think risk that we all took together, but it paid off obviously well for everybody, um, going from prestige beauty to mass beauty, cause it, it is slightly different. And mm-hmm. so that was another exciting time in my career to go from again, uh, you know, the Sephora original slash Kendo groups that were very high profile. Like I said, like Mark Jacobs, like Uh, Kat Von D at the time, Elizabeth and James and so forth, and then to be focused strictly on one brand. And at that time, L'Oreal had just purchased um, or just acquired rather NYX Cosmetics. And the thought was, how do we really define the brand and take it global? So like with anything, the first thing I did was really sit down and figure out, What is the brand DNA? What is authentic? You know, who are we really talking to? Let's get all of that squared away. Even though the brand had been around for a while, let's make sure that our story, our messaging, our positioning is really meaningful. And even, um, you know, what like the tagline artistry for all, which I helped create for them, like like let's actually make sense of the brand on a global scale. So that way we can unlock the L'Oreal powers. And we opened, stores, you know, all around the world. I worked specifically with the architecture team Gensler at the time to help develop really digitally first beauty stores. So there were a number of innovations in those stores that had not been on the market anywhere else at the time, which was really, you know, incredible, like full digital windows. So that way people weren't, you know, reprinting banners and spending money on print. We could do them with the press of a button using influencers and all of our campaigns, And there are other digital features in the store that nobody had ever done before. So that was incredible because we were, what we were doing was really on a global scale. So it's how do you take something that is already beloved by the beauty community and then scale it and still keep it, you know, very differentiated. So that was a huge brand program, retail um, program that I worked on. Again, I wouldn't change it for the world especially being a digital first brand. So there are other things I learned there more so around influencer marketing that we weren't necessarily doing at Sephora Originals at that scale at that time. Right, And then I went back to, got a call, went back to Kat Von D Beauty because they were going to be launching the brand globally. Again, 36 countries around the world. Uh, they needed a right-hand person, which is what I had been before to really, again, scale on a global level, which was perfect because I had just done that at L'Oreal. So I took what I learned from there, went back uh, to Kendo and, and built that brand with the folks there. And with the founder, obviously created a global phenomenon, you know, global top 10 brand, really incredible, disrupted the beauty industry again, and uh, built an incredible brand around the world with our partners at Sephora. Again, I'm diehard Sephora lover, obviously for (laughs) many reasons, you know, we've done well by each other. And then, you know, after the brand became what, 10, 12 years old, you know, time to do something else. And so it was wonderful that I'd had um, a number of opportunities at my front door for what's next. And it's funny, the recruiters were like, we've got, you know, five things for you. One thing we'll tell you that's not going to be available just quite yet but that one thing that we can't talk to you about right now is really the thing for you. It's, you know, working with a founder, which we know that you excel at and you're good at and you love it's working on artistry and we're trying to disrupt the industries. And it's a startup. They're like, click, click, click. That's all these things that we talked about. So bringing it back to what I talked about before having these kind of four career paths or three, four career paths of working with artists and artists and celebrating that then working for design firms and branding strategy, business strategies, and then working in beauty that those, all those things really kind of came together. And yeah. so again, leveraged everything that I knew and teams that I'd built and, you know, winning thoughts and mistakes I'd want to correct or ways to do differently. And then that brought me to um, helps the CEO Ben Jones is really an incredible leader. And he came to me and he told me that they wanted to reinvent the brand Um, What Gaga's vision was. And of course, she is a futurist and she is an innovator. So the brand would be built on futuristic formulas and, and innovation. And I said, I'm again, always curious, completely intrigued, would love to know more. Walk me through that. And what does that look like? And he said that I would be a key part of the brand reinvention with the team and with some other folks that they had hired. And so that became a really pivotal moment when I had a number of opportunities on the table Mm -hmm. to really look at, you know, what it is that I wanted to do. And, you know, a part of me wanted to go work for like a small skincare brand without a founder, you know, I I, only because I had worked on founder brands for so long between Sephora originals and um, Kendo. So I was in many ways looking to do something else. But the idea of disrupting the industry, again, with an idea that I thought was very um, intriguing, again, building a brand based on like really incredible proprietary and patented formulations and having being more sustainably minded and wanting to do something which was around clean beauty and, and artistry was very exciting.
1: Yeah. So we'll tell us more about that. I mean, how's house labs different, you know, get down to like the nitty gritty of. Yeah. I-, I think there are probably like a handful of key
0: points. I, you know, I think one is, is our positioning is, is very much a white space in the industry. So Jennifer, you know, that there are you know a wide amount of clean brands But clean artistry is a very clear white space because this essentially means you're going to have very high performance, high pigment, high tech colors that you don't get with other brands. So we are doing something different in the clean space that hasn't been done before. So that, again, this idea of supercharged, clean artistry powered by innovation, that key positioning that I worked on with the team is very much a white space. And the other piece of it is why the products are different too, isn't just the the clean and the high pigment piece, which is again, critical, but it's also that all the products are supercharged with, like I said, proprietary or patented skincare ingredients. So at the end of the day, we are not just kind of good for you, good for animals, good for the planet, but our products are also good for your skin. And so it really to me is this holy grail of like next gen beauty products that hasn't been on the market before.
1: Amazing. Right. Because you usually think of clean beauty and you kind of think of like muted, softer, you know, not really. And I assume she found it because there's white space for her. Right. I mean, that's absolutely. Usually-
0: I mean, this is her this is her vision. Again, she's a futurist and people look to Gaga for innovation. And so it makes sense then that the brand that we built together would be based on innovation, not just, again, formulations, but also looking at, you know, packaging, primary, secondary, looking at the way that we go to market. So, you know, as an example in innovation, we recently disrupted TikTok in a very big way. So TikTok challenges, as an example, those aren't new, right? Brands have done them. Um, there's other brands that have disrupted there, but we did it in a very different way. So we did a TikTok challenge for our foundation, which was already a viral success, and this really helped skyrocket it to next level. Um, the our TikTok challenge again started with our wonderful founder doing an original sound that we had talked about strategically, like what that would look like and what that would work. So when you have Gaga doing an original sound on TikTok and then adding in, you know, her Gaga magic into what that TikTok is. And and I will say this TikTok was made for Gaga and vice versa. But yeah. those are Two entities that, you know, again, match made in heaven. So we kicked off our TikTok challenge with her creating an original sound about our House Labs foundation. And then we had paid partners ready to go right behind it. And then because our foundation is so incredible, we had Gaga talking about it. We have an original sound and people can see firsthand this incredible like second skin finish that it's very, very lightweight and it is like vegan butter. Nobody could believe this like sensorial effect. So when we put all of these things together, it just created this incredible momentum in addition to the the marketing that we had going at Sephora. So then at the end of the day, you know, as of last week, we had 9.5 billion views on that challenge. And there are 8 billion people on planet Earth. Yeah. So like I said, I think in terms of marketing, you know, secrets, you might take something that exists already. Again, TikTok challenge, not a net new idea in of itself, but the magic is always in the how, right? Right. It's like, how can you take something that you know is going to work and really make it yours, make it tied to your brand DNA and disrupt that piece of it. So, you know, I've always said to disruption for the sake of disruption doesn't help anybody, you know, that's a stunt, but it really has to be mindful about your brand DNA and what What is your business driver that you're trying to do? And we wanted to share with everybody this like incredible made in Korea foundation. And that was a big key marketing lever. Sephora got behind it. And I was actually just at the Sephora brand summit last week. And so that TikTok challenge was used as one of two case studies in the makeup breakout session, which is pretty kind of incredible to, you know, have the folks on stage actually saying this is best in class. And there's something to learn from there. And then we also won last week uh, at Sephora Brand Summit the Breakthrough Brand Launch of the Year Award, which is very hard to get, and a big part of that um, was our foundation in that TikTok challenge. So, right. yeah, I, I'm very thrilled with what we've been able to do. And and like I said, my advice to really other women is, you know, again, always be curious and don't disrupt for the sake of disruption, but at the end of the day, look at what those key levers might be and then really dig in as to like how you can make that yours.
1: Right, yeah. No, it's really, um, really good advice and like seeing everything like unfolding before your eyes and you have like the numbers and the facts, et cetera, I think is super important and a really great learning lesson um, from you to everyone who's listening. So where do you take everything from here, like, where does this go? Like world domination?
0: (laughs) Well, you laugh, but I'm like, yes, that is the plan. That's good. Yeah. That is absolutely the plan. Like why, why not? Why wouldn't we have uh, our eyes on that? I I think two things. I think one is, you know, um, Alison on it, Sephora's always said, you know, win in your own backyard, luckily we are doing that, but we're not in all Sephora stores yet. And so we do have a plan to be in more Sephora stores in the back half of the year. We definitely would like to be you know, in the full fleet. So right now we're in 80% of Sephora stores and our goal is to be in 100%. So we'll make kind of formal timing announcement later, but um, that's what we're looking at as well. And then we definitely have our eyes on international and global domination, as you said. And we couldn't be more excited to do that you know, really with our friends at Sephora They've got an incredible um, leadership team put together. Artemis, who's their uh, global chief merchant, is just an incredible, incredible person. And they've reconfigured, you know, how to do global so it's more centralized. So back in the day, you kind of had to go country by country and you know pitch each country general manager, you know, around the world, sort of like your wares, a you know real dog and pony show. Yeah. And they've got a system in place to help. Indie American brands uh, fast track to global. So again, I'm not saying when or how we're doing this, but um, yeah. we've got some good, uh, a good foundation laid down. Cause how long has house labs been around now? We launched in June of 2022. Oh yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We launched in June of 2022. We started out uh, with an incredible uh, campaign. We were in 25 Sephora stores at that time and online You know, broke a number of records, you know, became best-selling in some key categories like our lip oil and our highlighter, which is really incredible. And then in September, we had that big boom where we, again, rolled out to 500 stores and launched kind of our full collection of assortment. And in both cases, we have these um, wonderful images of our founder that were in the windows that are really unrivaled. I mean, she's, again, an incredible, fearless, futuristic a visionary, and none of this is possible without her.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you have a lot of, quote unquote, celebrity, you know, endorsed, you know, brands, etc. And it does help when you're preaching, you know, you're, you're using what is authentic to you, right? And most artists in particular, you know, if you take anybody who has one of these lines, it kind of speaks to who they are. But then to take it in another level and not just – because a lot of this stuff is just white labeled in factories, which people don't understand. And then you slap your name on it and then it becomes really, really big and you can say whatever you want. But like is it very good for you? Like I have had – I have sensitive skin. So I've had many, you know, brands that I put on and like my eyes are like scratchy and itchy and I take it off immediately or they give me a rash or – you know, not to mention the fact, so if that's not good for my body or my, you know, skin and like what's it doing to the environment on top of it, you know? Um, And I think obviously, as we're starting to see all the damage that we've done for it to have, you know, a bigger impact or less of an impact, really um, a bigger impact on the society and less of an impact in, in, you know, in the environment, it's so much more important, you know? I I couldn't agree more. And that's why even on our
0: our site, houselabs.com, again, we have an incredible digital team, you know, as well, just absolutely incredible. Um, we've got a section on our sustainability journey. So the whole positioning is again, like I said, it's it's kind to animals and it's kind to your skin and it's kind to the planet. You know, are we a hundred percent there yet? No, in terms of kind to the planet, but we're on a journey yeah. and you know, our packaging is chic and sustainably minded, and we're looking at things like you know, even our fixture system in Sephora is it has sustainable elements to it. Our, you know, House Lab's headquarters is lead platinum certified. So we're doing what we can to make a difference, not just to the environment, but again, to your point, to your to your skin, and of course, being vegan and cruelty-free too. So yeah. and that makes sense for our brand. You know, we've got three key brand pillars: it's art, science, and kindness. So it makes sense that as a brand you know, we would, we would be
1: kind to, you know, all of those key elements. That's something that we definitely. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, and so, you know what, we've heard a lot of things that, you know, you have done over the years and you've made amazing, you know, moves, et cetera. Are there any things that you wish you would have done better along the way in your career? You know, I'm going to say this, no regrets. Good. Actually.
0: I'm going to say no regrets. It doesn't mean that maybe there weren't some campaigns along the way that I wished were, you know, different, but you don't become the person you are without, you know, saying yes to maybe in some cases, more things than you can handle challenging yourself. Um, so no, no regrets, honestly. I mean, that's what I think. And I, I think yeah. JJ, I think you also in my mind, you are of that same ilk. You know, you have, you've had like a wildly different career and what you're doing now with women is very different than what you did when you started, but it still speaks to your brand
1: ethos. And, and I have to believe that you're probably the same, right? Yeah. I mean, look at hindsight 2020, it's hard to say because if I didn't do the things I did, would I be here right now? I don't know. You know, I don't know if the whole sliding doors theory is true or not, you know? But I do, I know, I definitely agree to your whole, like, let's be curious, let's keep your mind open, you know, to deals. It's like, it's very rare that something's just a straight no. You know, I even like just punt stuff to my assistant and say, can you find out more information on this? Can you know exactly what X, Y, Z, or at least do research to see if they're real and not like, you know trying to punk you or something like that, you know, right. when you represent only women, I know there's, you know, people trying to like come at me if I don't represent men, you know, that kind of thing. But it's like, ultimately it's, yeah, it's like you never know where what's going to happen. Um, and at least, and I also want to try to help as many people as I can. So if I can't, then I try to like, at least refer somebody, but yeah, but staying open and curious. And like the fact that the, my assistant Tara Tielman, who is awesome, like was still like, going like we will find an end to Sephora because this makes perfect sense. And we had that great, and we had a great partnership and it really helped a lot, you know, each other for that. And that nail line is still so good. <laughs> okay. Yes, I think so too. And
0: I think, you know, I, maybe the last thing, which I'll say, cause I know that we have to wrap it up soon too, is, is I also often get the question, you know, other advice that I would give to say entrepreneurs or other women or even, you know, other female leaders and how I have always led is really with two things, you know, being kind and being brave, you know, and leaning with big hearts and big ideas. So that's what to me, it's all about. It might take you longer. I mean, in some cases, it's certainly true and beauty can be this way too, that nice girls don't always get the corner office. I would say that might be true, but eventually you'll get there. So maybe it takes you longer if you're a person who, you know, leads with your heart and with kindness um, and with big ideas. So you
1: have to maybe be a little bit more patient. Yeah. When I talk about that stuff, I don't think it's about uh, nice girls don't get the corner office, but there's a difference between nice and being kind, right? It's like right. there's a difference between like always, you know, like, nice girls are the ones who are like, of course, I'll go get the, you know, the water for you every time, right? Yeah. To be clear, that's kind am saying. saying. <laughs> you know what? You've asked me many times and I don't think it's fair you know right. what i mean and and so that there's a difference in that um it you know one's being a pushover honestly and the other is standing up for themselves correct yeah you know? and and so you know when i when people are like you know we need to be nice in a negotiation i'm like no we are no we don't no. It's, not, it's not being nice i i will be kind to the other person and respect them but i'm not going to be nice
0: Correct. Correct. Yeah. Let me be clear by nice and kind. I do not mean submissive. Yeah, exactly. Obviously I wouldn't be sitting here where I am today. Well, of course not.
1: It's a person. Exactly. Exactly. I just want to be clear for everyone else to understand like the, what that difference is, you know, I was just giving advice to a client of mine this morning who like feels bad, the company's in a situation. And I was like, that is not your responsibility. You've given all you can it's time for you to move on. You know what I mean? And she's like, Oh my God, you're so right. Like, you know, who's taking care of you, who's taking care of your family, you know, you got to do those things. So um, I totally agree with all the concepts we're totally on the same page. And, you know, and I just like to, to like define it further for the people who are listening. So they understand, you know, that you can be a great and empathetic boss and not be a pushover.
0: That is exactly right. And yeah. to your point to being respectful in a negotiation, Absolutely. You know, being mindful. Yes. But you got to go after what you know is right for well, yourself. Yes, brand. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Negotiations. I actually like them to be perfectly honest because yeah. I've done them so many times that I know how to get to win win and I've got great experience for what's going to work and what's not. But at the same time, you know, you leave a, you leave a part that's open. Yeah. You're like, you know, I didn't think about that. That's interesting, but you go into it because, the whole idea is win win, and in your heart of hearts, I would even say for negotiations, if there's something that you know that is just not right for your brand, you know, definitely dig in. Like, yeah, if, you know what I mean. Don't don't let that go.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, so if people want to buy House Lab, and it's H A U S, right? Correct. Correct. They can obviously go to eighty percent of the Sephora's. Uh, where else can they find it and find you? So two things: you can go to sephora.com
0: or sephora.ca, hundred percent. And then, of course, you can also go to our own DTC, which again I'm totally obsessed with, and that's houselabs.com, h-a-u-s-l-a-b-s.com. And you'll find again more, you know, in-depth videos. You'll find some, um, you know, additional images and assets to guide you along your your purchase. And then we're going to be launching something new and exclusive there on our site uh, in a couple of months. So definitely sign up and don't miss out because you want to be the first to know.
1: I love it. Yeah. This has been awesome. It's so good to reconnect with you and to see you and see you succeeding as I knew you always were anyway. But, um, and I'm excited uh, for all that House Love is going to do in the future. Thank so to everyone listening today, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until then, I'm Jennifer Justice. Thanks, JJ. And finding me on LinkedIn, I do actually look and
0: you're proof of that. Oh, amazing. (laughs) She does. I love it. Okay. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it.